Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And we do gather with great joy on this Reformation Sunday, although it's, you know, technically tomorrow. This is the Sunday we observe uh, Reformation Day, or the festival, rather, of the Reformation, where we rejoice that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for the sake of Christ alone, and that this is revealed to us in Holy Scripture alone. At this time, I'll turn your attention to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin where we have our Focused on Christ section, a summary of the readings for the service this day. Wisdom is justified by her deeds, and the true wisdom of God, Christ Jesus, the incarnate Son, justifies us by his deeds. He prepares his way by the preaching of repentance, but he has suffered the violence of the law and voluntarily handled him, handed himself over to violent men that we might eat and drink with him in his kingdom and remain in the house forever. For he is a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and he has rescued us by his grace from the slavery of sin and death, by the proclamation of his eternal gospel to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And by hearing the gospel of Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We have a special uh, treat, if you will, a great joy, as we uh, have an adult confirmation this day. So where that will fall in the service is after the offering, but before the prayer of the church, as Mara Nolker, Victoria Sharp, and Simone Ham will be added to our community membership this morning. The Divine Service is Divine Service Setting 3 as it begins on page 184. And we do, of course, receive the Lord's Supper this day. And we receive that gift of Christ's body and blood in the unity of one confession. And so as our Lord bids us, as we gather before his altar, he bids us to have no divisions among us. And that we be united in our doctrine, not just in what we believe about the Supper, but in the whole of what we confess as Christians. Therefore, those joining us at the altar today, I ask that they be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, as we gather to receive Christ's body and blood this day in the fellowship of this altar. That being said, our first hymn will be a processional hymn, so if you give me just a moment, I'll make my way to the back of the nave, and then we will, uh, you'll be asked to rise for that first hymn. Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation. Defend us against all enemies and grant your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. first reading for the festival of the Reformation is from the Revelation to St. John, chapter 14. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. 
The epistle is from Romans chapter 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free... You will be free indeed. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The sermon for this Reformation Sunday is based upon the Gospel reading read just moments ago. Well, dear saints in Christ, a blessed Reformation Day to you. Though I mentioned earlier, it's technically tomorrow. We celebrate today. We give thanks to God for the work he accomplished through a lowly Augustinian monk named Martin Luther. Though he didn't know it at the time, Luther's desire to correct false teaching and false practice within the Roman Catholic Church would spark the movement that we now know as the Reformation. What was Luther's focus? What was his whole point? It was the Word of God. He sought to bring the teaching of the, teachings of the Roman Church back into agreement with the Bible. If you're familiar with a ship that's been out to sea for a long time and they come into dry dock, it's covered with all these crusty things called barnacles. And you've got to clean those off in, in order for the ship to be as it should be. Well, so at that point, the church had really become encrusted with a bunch of barnacles. And it needed to be cleaned. It needed to be cleansed by the Word of God. And so then, as God worked through Luther, he sought to bring those teachings back into agreement with the Bible. And Luther with the, and those who would later be known as Lutherans, they knew what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. And simply put, being a disciple of Jesus means that you abide in Christ's word and sacrament. And so that will be our focus this day, what it means to abide in the word and sacraments of Jesus. In the Gospel lesson, St. John points out that Jesus was speaking to the Jews who had believed in him. 
The irony is that these Jews soon revealed that their belief it was only superficial, skin deep. They did not actually trust in Jesus as the Messiah, God's long-promised Savior from sin, death, and Satan. Jesus told them, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In other words, those who have God-given faith in Christ Jesus abide in his word. Now, if we're really going to understand what Jesus is getting at today, we need to get to the root of that word, abide. We need to see what it means. Well, in Greek, the word is meno, and it means to abide, to remain, to stay, to continue. By today's common understanding, think of it as marinating, right? You have to stay in something for a while so that it gets in you, becomes a part of who you are. And that is what Jesus wants us to do with his word, to abide in it. Now, those who have faith in Jesus live in his word because it is that same word which creates, feeds, and sustains saving faith. Now, Christ said that those who abide in his word, they will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. Well, what is this truth? It is this, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the long-promised Savior from sin, death, and hell. The truth is that Jesus Christ, as he says, is the way and the truth and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. This is the truth that will set you free. But when Jesus spoke to the Jews in the gospel lesson, they did not hear him with ears of faith. That is why they answered him, saying, We're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Folks, they just didn't get it. Now, of course, never mind all the obvious historical ironies that are right here, because God's people Israel had been in bondage to Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, and now then Rome. These men didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, God's promised Savior. So then, what did these men trust in for their salvation? Their bloodline. They trusted in the fact that they could trace their family lineage to Abraham. Instead of abiding in the word of God and trusting in the long-promised son of God, who was right in front of them in the flesh, the one whom Abraham had faith in, they believed that they were saved because of family connections. Well, it sounds crazy to us, but we really shouldn't be so quick to judge. The reason why is because when it comes down to it, they believed they were saved because they had the right credentials, the right connections, instead of faith in Jesus. In other words, they trusted in the thoughts and ways of mankind rather than the word and the promises of God. We see the same sinful unbelief today. Many claim to be Christian but do not abide in the word and sacraments of Jesus. Now, sure, their name is on the official membership roster of a Christian church somewhere. They probably have a burial plot in the cemetery, and it could be that that church is a Lutheran one. But yet, still, despite all these things, they do not have saving faith in Jesus. Here again, Christ's words. He said, if you abide, if you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples. Those who abide in the word of Jesus, they know their need for his grace and his mercy. They know God's law accuses them and reveals their sinful thoughts, words, and deeds. They know that they are sinful beggars who have no hope except for Christ alone. Therefore, Christians who abide in the word of Jesus, they come to where Jesus gives out his gifts of forgiveness and salvation. Abiding in the word of Jesus means that you come to where the word of Jesus is purely preached and taught. You come to church, to the divine service, where Christ serves you with his word 
his body and his blood, where Christ absolves you. Now, it is not your act of going to church that saves your soul. No, because that would be a work on your part. The fact is, Jesus accomplished your salvation on the cross 2,000 years ago. Instead, you go to church to receive what Jesus won on the cross by the shedding of his holy, precious blood and innocent suffering and death. Now, for the last two years now, COVID and the government response put to it put obstacles between Christians and corporate worship. However, it's been two years, and the vast majority of those obstacles, they're gone. So I'm going to challenge those who may hear this, but are still choosing to avoid physical worship due to COVID. If you're going to the store for groceries, you can come to church. If you're safe enough to gather daily bread for your belly, then it's safe enough to come and receive Christ's Holy Supper for the benefit of both your body and your soul. In John 6.56, Jesus says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Well, where and when does Jesus give us his flesh and blood to eat and drink? It's right here, from his altar, where we receive the Lord's Supper. In our sermon text today, and this verse from John 6, Jesus gives us a description of his disciples. Christ's disciples abide in his word and receive his holy supper. Now, we've covered some good ground so far, but let's keep digging deeper, shall we? Abiding in the word of Jesus also means reading and studying his word. Abiding in the word means that we do not despise preaching in his word, but we hold it sacred and we gladly hear and learn it as we learn from the third commandment. It means that you, God's, by God's spirit, you recognize the importance and the joy of hearing, reading, studying, and meditating upon the word of God. As St. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Therefore, if you don't already, find ways to read and study and listen to God's word daily. Listen to an audio Bible if you're in the car a whole lot. Take 10 minutes a day and just read through or listen to the Bible. And if you don't know where to begin... The Gospel of Mark is a great place to start. You see, the Reformation was all about getting back to the Bible. Daily returning to and resting in the Word of God is a great way for us to continue in the spirit of the Reformation. Well, we've taken a deeper look at abiding in Christ's Word. What about His Holy Supper? Well, abiding in the Lord's Supper means that we rejoice in the opportunity to receive this blessed gift often, as Jesus said. Recognizing that this holy meal is given for our pardon and peace. Concerning the Lord's Supper, Martin Luther said, Here in the sacrament of the altar, you are to receive from the lips of Christ forgiveness of sin. It contains and brings with it God's grace and the Holy Spirit with all his gifts, protection, shelter, and power against death and the devil and all misfortune. The sacrament of the altar is a pure, wholesome, comforting remedy that grants salvation and comfort. It will cure you and give you life in both body and soul. For where the soul is recovered, the body also is relieved. The Lord's Supper is a means of grace. That's often the shorthand that we talk about it as in the Lutheran Church. But what that means is that it's a delivery vehicle of Christ's forgiveness, which he won for you on the cross. The Lord's Supper is not a burden. It is a blessing. As I told the confirmation class, it's 100-proof gospel. Now, of course... You can view it as a burden, and you can curse it under your breath, and you can complain about the fact that the reception of Christ's body and blood adds 15 minutes to worship. But if that is the case for you, then you need to check your priorities. Repent, and then rejoice. 
that in this meal, Jesus comes to you, not in just some spiritual, wispy way. He comes to you in his flesh and his blood to give to you the very thing which he won on the cross and in his resurrection. He comes to you, his repentant disciple, with forgiveness, compassion, with mercy, and salvation. You see, abiding in the word and sacraments of Jesus, it's a description of our very lives as Christians. However, this was not always so. There was a time in the Christian church when the word of God was all but obscured, and Christians were told to trust in their good works. There was a time when the traditions of men were counted as having just as much authority as the word of God. And this was the time when a man named Martin Luther lived. See, 505 years ago, an Augustinian monk named Martin Luther, he posted those 95 theses for a debate on the chapel door in Wittenberg, Germany. Those 95 theses were 95 points of conflict that Luther had with the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. He posted them so that they could be debated amongst other theologians, priests, and professors at Wittenberg University. But what happened, however, was the very beginning of the Reformation. Luther contended that all Christian teaching, all doctrine, should come from the Word of God alone, and not from popes, not from church tradition and the opinions of mortal men. In other words, you could say he believed the Word of Jesus that we heard today. If you abide in my Word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Much like the Jews that originally spoke those words, too, there were many in the Roman Catholic Church that believed they were saved because of human works or because they had official membership in the Roman Catholic Church. Sadly, there were many people in the church who did not actually believe in Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior from sin, and there still are today. Luther spent his life striving and contending for the pure teaching of the Word of God. But why? What drove him? He wanted the gospel of Christ crucified to reach the ends of the earth. The very fact that we are gathered here today in Trinity Lutheran Church is a testament to the way God blessed Luther's efforts. But at the end of the day, despite his amazing brilliance, and he is second to none in so many ways, Luther was and is just a man. We don't worship Luther. We worship the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, one of my favorite works of art from the Lutheran Reformation is a picture of Luther preaching and he's got his finger pointed out of the pulpit and the people are sitting there in the nave just as you are but standing between the pulpit and the people is Christ crucified. And Luther's pointing to Jesus because in Christ alone is our salvation. Lutherans simply believe, teach, and confess the pure teaching of the word of God. Now, if you've ever thought to yourself, boy, I sure wish that the teachings of the Bible were organized topic by topic in a book that I could learn from and use as a reference, a devotion book, maybe even a prayer book. Well, we have such a book. It's called Luther's Small Catechism. In the Small Catechism, it's just one of ten documents in a collection of writings called the Lutheran Confessions. These writings, they were put together for the purpose of clearly and simply confessing what it is that we as Lutherans believe. Every teaching in the Lutheran Confessions is in complete agreement with the Word of God. If you take the time to read this collection of writings, I promise you, you will be blessed. In fact, you could just join the Lutheran Confessions study group class that we have here at Trinity, but I digress. Dear Saints, when Christ Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, he said these words, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. 
And so if there's one takeaway from the sermon this morning, let it be this. Abide in the word of Jesus. Sadly, today there are many who call themselves Christians, and yet they scoff at the word of God, calling it old-fashioned and full of hate. These people do not abide in the word of Jesus, and they don't know what the central purpose of the word of God is. It's to have forgiveness and salvation through faith in Christ. Rather, so many today, they claim the name of Christian in an attempt to give spiritual and moral authority to their non-Christian views. There are also just as many people who call themselves Christians, and yet they have no interest in the word of God. They simply could not care less. May this not be so among us. As God's baptized child, joined to Christ's death and resurrection, cling to God's holy word and to his blessed sacraments. For in these gifts, God gives you the forgiveness of sins. He gives you eternal life. He gives you salvation, all of which Jesus won for you on the cross. Therefore, dear Christians, rejoice as we sang in the hymn. And may you always abide in the word of Jesus, who is the truth that has set you free. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For the renewal of the church in this and every age, in thanksgiving for Martin Luther and those with him who contended for the gospel against many and great enemies, and that God would also make us bold to contend for the faith against those who would silence our voices or distract his people from the one true gospel of the crucified and risen Christ, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For the Christian church throughout the world and for all who confess Christ, that God would guard and defend us from the temptations of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our homes and families, that God would keep us in his word and so make us truly his disciples, freed from errors and at peace, and especially for all fathers, that God would preserve and encourage them for their godly task to bring up children who fear him. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our nation, that its rulers would be good and faithful, governing after God's good pleasure, and for its citizens, that having a right understanding of God's rule in this world, they would not be deceived to think earthly powers will last forever, but have confidence in him alone. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all people in need, especially Reverend Brian Thorson, John Mottman, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that they would not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, and that they would trust in God and be comforted by his promise to be with them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In thanksgiving and praise to God for the faithful confession of our adult confirmands, that the Holy Spirit would continue to pour out his graces upon them as they continue to grow in Christ's word and sacrament, and for all the baptized, that we would ever abide in a pure confession of Christ's word. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have For all who approach Christ's table, that God would give us faithful and repentant hearts by his spirit to receive worthily Christ's body and blood and bear fruit in lives of holiness and humble service, and that God would bless his church through the forgiveness of sins, that having a clear conscience before him, we may live at peace with one another. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have brought us by your word out of the darkness of error and into the light of your grace. Mercifully help us to walk in that light. Guard us from error and false doctrine. 
and grant that we would not become ungrateful and despise your word, but receive it with all our heart, conduct our lives according to it, and put our trust in your grace. Through the merits of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Again, good morning and a blessed Reformation Day to you. Uh, you'll note in the, in the bulletin there's just a quick little insert there, the red one, that will just bring to light some more of what we celebrate on this Reformation Day. A handful of announcements before we depart this morning. Uh, Sunday school and Bible study immediately following worship. Um, I don't exactly know how much time we're going to have for either. It was a full service this day. Um, adults, do please bring a hymnal with you to Bible study if you would, because uh, we'll be studying even closer uh, our sermon hymn for the day. Um, also, tomorrow, our pastor's reading group is at uh, 930 in Liberty, followed by all of our midweek activities beginning at 3.30, 6, and then 7 o'clock on Wednesday. And then please note that this Thursday, handbell practice resumes once again at 6 p.m., followed by church council at 7.30 p.m. And a special note regarding church council, if you'd like to be on the agenda, please contact Vice President Kyle Durham. He'd be happy to, uh, to put you on the agenda. And again, thanks be to God for the new members we have here with us, Mara, Victoria, and Simone. Uh, we give thanks to God for their faithful confession. Um, do note also Circuit Reformation service later on today, 4 p.m. at Emmanuel and Salisbury. Uh, women's wreath-making event today at 1.30 here at... Um, at church, and then also that Hands of Mercy, that's a save the date for November 20th, so I'll leave you to read all that there in the bulletin. I don't believe I've missed anything else. If I have, please let me know. Otherwise, I'll greet you at the door. God's peace be with you as you go out as God's forgiven saints through faith in Christ Jesus.